Welcome back to the Veries and Numerous podcast of Briar.io production. That's B-R-Y-E-R.io. This is a special thank you to our sponsors. We start every show off with a thank you to them. Without them, this podcast is not possible. Introducing Zen Sports this week, a new sponsor of the Veries and Numerous podcast. Zen Sports is a peer-to-peer sports betting marketplace where anyone can create and accept sports bets with anyone else in the world without the need for a centralized bookmaker. Deposit funds instantly using cryptocurrencies or fiat. No long wait times or deposit fees. Reduce betting fees compared to traditional bookmakers. The sports utility token is used for placing bets, getting awesome discounts, cashback rewards, bonuses, and other perks. Betting is also available in Bitcoin or USD. This is a decentralized peer-to-peer platform where anyone can create and accept bets with anyone else in the world without the need of a central intermediary or a bookmaker. This is a trustless system that lets the marketplace settle bet results and disputes. Check them out at zensports.com. VinxCoin is the world's first decentralized fine French wine and vineyard-backed security token where anyone can be a fine French wine and vineyard owner from the comfort of their home. VinxCoin is currently conducting uh, the beginnings of their project over at VinxCoin.com. Check them out uh, and all of the interesting things they're doing uh, over there. Trios. Trios. What is Trios? Trios is an economy and a system, an ecosystem, a new, uh, a new economy, a fair economy. Trios is the direct reference to the decentralized money that will power a new economy. In the future, the term Trios will become synonymous with cryptocurrency, and virtual financial assets, VFAs. Their payment methods, their ecosystem, their general use as a both a utility and a store of value. Check them out over at trios.io. Sharing Coins, you found the brick-and-mortar financial institution where you can safely trade dollars for Bitcoin, USD to BTC, over-the-counter OTC, and person-to-person. They facilitate transactions of all sizes, including high-volume transactions. Their headquarters is located in Wakiza County, more than being just an OTC location where hot, we're, we are, they are here to educate you about Bitcoin wallets, blockchain, cryptocurrency, security, and platforms. If you're in the Milwaukee area, you can also uh, visit their ATM, their Bitcoin ATM, and more locations are coming soon. Visit SharonCoins.com. Bitcoin SOV, Bitcoin Store of Values, an emerging community-driven product. That has a decentralized team the world over. It is a proof-of-work mineable ERC-20 and has a deflationary design with token burns to ensure your value is stored over time. Check out their site at bsov.io. Lucho Paletti is a talented artist who created that masterpiece hanging up on my wall there, the Andy Warhol Buy Bitcoin uh, uh, piece of art there, which I love a lot. Check him out. He has pages of cryptocurrency and Bitcoin art over there. Keychains he's working on right now. Check him out over at luchopoletti.com. That's L-U-C-H-O-P-O-L-E-T-T-I.com. Flashcoin is a reinvention of Litecoin built to scale for, the worldwide, for worldwide commerce and fast enough to handle everyday transactions. The flexible and easy to integrate core code allows exchanges and wallets to add Flash to their platform within hours. With a settlement time of around five seconds and consensus, within two minutes, anyone, anywhere can use Flash Mobile Wallet as, as easily as cash or a credit card. Uh, 
I've talked about this before on the podcast. They're a new sponsor, but I've been using Flashcoin for a few years myself. They have a really cool um, uh, integrated marketplace within their app where you can uh, visit uh, vendors, merchants around the world, and you can see their products and, uh, um, you know, do commerce right over the app. So it's really cool. And um, uh, the future of uh, decentralized commerce. So check them out over at flashcoin.io. And as always, before we get into the episode today, remember nothing on briar.io written or spoken should be interpreted as financial advice. Always do your own research. You are the captain of your own financial ship. You control your own sovereignty and uh, uh, just make sure that you always do your own research and uh, educate yourself, self-invest in education and knowledge. Thank you everyone for listening to the show. Let's get into today's episode and uh, always, always appreciate you guys listening. All right. Thanks for, uh, for everybody tuning in today. This is episode number 10 of the Various and Numerous podcast. Today on the show is my good friend, Kurt Walker Jr. Uh, him and I have been friends for a couple years. He's the uh, co-founder of uh, Crypto Traders Pro and the Bitcoin Chicago meetup. So it's a Bitcoin Chicago meetup, right? I, well, it's, it was the big blocker. Now it's the BSV Chicago meetup. Okay, the BSV Chicago meetup. Welcome to the show again, sir. Yeah, good to be here. Thanks for having me on, man. Absolutely. This is the first time you've been on this new show. You, you and I talked on a previous podcast before, so welcome to the new show. You're rounding out the uh, the first 10 episodes here with me, so nice. you coming on, donating some time today. Beautiful. Yeah, so what's going on with you? Uh, the world's in turmoil right now, and uh, uh, you know, let's get straight into the, the, the craziness, and then we'll get into more uh, the economy. What, how are you uh, handling uh, COVID-19? I mean, we're, we're good. I, I, I've been like a casual prepper for a pretty long time. I'm not, you know, hyper doomer. I don't have 50,000 rounds of ammunition or anything like that, but right. uh, I've always had the ability to sort of deal with my own water and food. And, you know, I've always got supply. We grow a big garden. Like we're a pretty self-sustaining family over here. So we're, uh, we're in a pretty good spot there in a basic sense. And, uh, you know, but it's it's weird when it finally starts to happen. All of a sudden, I'm the guy who's getting all the phone calls from friends, like, "Oh my God, is this it? Is this happening?" Yeah. And, you know, like, yeah, kind of looks like it. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's weird how for years people, you know, talk about, you know, you're the crazy uh, extremist or you know the words they throw around the hyper the hyperbole, but uh, you're you're the first person on the the uh, speed dial when they need to get a hold of somebody. No, absolutely. Like, hey, I think Kurt knows how this works. So, yeah, we're, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's been so interesting. A lot of people you, coming out of the woodwork. Yeah, what do you think about, uh, like, is your wife quarantined right now too? We're, so we're both really blessed. We both work from home. Uh, she she has the opportunity to work in the office, and her boss was a little bit uh, apprehensive about what to do, but uh, she was like, I'm putting my foot down. I'm not coming in. Uh, she's a graphic designer and a, and a freelance filmmaker. So oh, cool. she's, you know, in a good spot to just kind of hunker down if necessary too. Uh, and, and I work from home. So we've been, I mean, we're, we're, this isn't super different for us. The the only difference has been like, we're not going to the gym. Uh, and right. we've not really gone to the grocery store now in like three weeks. So yeah, we're, Digging into the digging into the food stores. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I mean, it's good to be prepared. And obviously, uh, I've tried to learn. I think I've been out, out, you know, out about like three times in three weeks now. So uh, I'm not doing too bad. But um, I don't know. Maybe the worst is yet to come for us in America. I'm not sure. We're both uh, Americans, so 
I, I kind of think, so I, I've got some contacts in some places, and I think we're just about to hit the sort of the hockey stick curve on right. cases, and then with cases come the, the deaths, and, um, you know, I mean, we've seen what happened in Italy, and, and we're seeing it in Spain now as overrun, and I, I think we're going to be, I think we're going to see some horror stories, unfortunately. Yeah, I I sort of wonder if the I don't know, you know, you, there's all these theories, but I was really ill at Christmas this year and it ran into the new year. It was like two and a half, three weeks and I had like the exact symptoms they're talking about. So I you just wonder how much the media is playing this up as like being a new thing, whether it's been around or not. I just don't know. But it, it's it is interesting to, you know, how the world's reacting. You, you know, we're living in an era now. We're going to get into the talking about the economy here in a minute, but uh, during the last economic crisis, the recession in 2008, um, social media wasn't as prominent as it is today. So you, now we're seeing like all of these emotions, like, you know, day to day peaks and valleys. It's just really interesting. Um, where, where have you talked to people around the world? Uh, what kind, you know, what kind of like, uh, you know, feedback have you gotten? Are, is, is everyone pretty worried or? So, I mean, I got friends in, in Asia, I've got friends in Europe, uh, South America, like I've, I've being a Bitcoiner for a long right. time, I kind of know people everywhere. I'm friends with a few pretty serious Bitcoin miners in China. Uh, they were, they were talking about it in December and January, like real worried about what was going on. They were sending pictures of, you know, 50,000 people out in public and every single person's got a mask on and that kind of thing. And. Um, I went to uh, the CoinGeek conference in London, uh, which I, it was in the middle of February, and I was a little bit like on the fence whether I should go or not. But mm -hmm. you know, I was a little bit like, ah, it's you know, we're we're fine. And like everybody I hung out with there ended up being sick when we got home. And similar, you know, I, I didn't get it real bad. It sort of just felt like a cold to me. Uh, so I, I haven't been tested. I have no idea what it was, but. Uh, some people were really, really, really under the weather. Right. Uh, one of my buddies uh, is Kevin Pham, who's pretty famous on Twitter for being a, uh, uh, he, well, he was a big BTC maximalist guy, and now he's a BSV dude. But he, he's, he says he had the coronavirus. Uh, he's been okay, but uh, th I think there were a handful of people. I mean, like I said, there were, there were Chinese miners there uh, during the, the peak of it. So they flew out of China to come to London and right. we we're all kind of hanging out. So, uh, you know, kind of is what it is, but now I'm, I'm about four weeks out from that and haven't had any further symptoms. So it is, as far as I understand the, the epidemiology of it, I'm probably in the clear from that exposure point, but right. I heard, I actually we'll heard something today that had me a little bit concerned. I thought, you know, me thinking that I may have had it, I honestly don't know either. You know, we'd have no idea since we weren't tested. I stayed on the couch for like two weeks. I was, I mean, this thing put me down. Um, uh, you just, you just have, you know, I heard today that, uh, that it actually can attack different, attack you different ways so you can get it multiple times, whether, you know, I have no idea, but hopefully yep. you and I are in the clear now. So let's, we yep. got the COVID-19 out of the way. Let's get into uh, what you're up to. What What's going on with BSV? You're like, my BSV go-to uh, guy. Uh, I mean, we're, we're rocking and rolling. I, in my opinion, it's, it's the only blockchain that makes any sense. It, it doesn't have a scale limit in any regard. Uh, you know, people will talk about the block size limit. Like it is the only blockchain with no block size limit. So 
We don't know what the upper limit is for how many transactions per second are possible. Uh, but we've seen we've seen blocks at 512 megabytes. Uh, that shakes out to I, I don't remember now, but like six or seven thousand transactions a second. Um, but but that's the simple one. Like the the really cool thing is like we've eliminated or raised the uh, child pays for parent or parent pays for child. I forget now. So how many unconfirmed transactions you can have chained to a single uh, transaction? Um, but the really really cool thing is the scripting language has been completely restored, it's completely opened up, so there's a full script stack, Turing complete smart contracts and all kinds of things up on the, on the upper level of the script there. So it's, it's so really to, exciting. So to uh, you know, explain that more to the person that isn't as technical that might be listening to this podcast, what happened to the script before? Was that, uh, is, that, is that something that Blockstream came in and limited? Uh, not Blockstream per se. Uh, one of the big ones is actually pay to script hash, which is how on BTC and BCH uh, they do multi-sig wallets. Uh, everything just goes to a P2SH wallet. So that's the, um, those are uh, addresses that start with a three. Mm-hmm. Um, pay, pay to script hash eliminated a whole bunch of other things. Like it created conflicts with other scripts that existed in Bitcoin. So they were just shut off. They're like, okay, we're just going to shut all these things off. We're going to use pay to script hash for like everything. Uh, but it got rid of all kinds of script that allowed for uh, just simple, like a good example is like a JavaScript program or even HTML and CSS. Like, so on BSV, you can host a website on BSV. You can serve data from it. You can write to it. Uh, and that's obviously impossible with BTC because first of all, the microtransactions would be priced out. But second of all, um, the, the scripts just aren't there. Like the, everything, it just fails. It, it, it doesn't have the languages there to deal with uh, data microservices. So, okay, moving on, that was a good explanation. Do you think there that, uh, or so where do you stand on, uh, I know you're not a Bitcoiner, a, a BTC guy now, you've, you've claimed that BSV is BTC or is Bitcoin. Is Bitcoin, um, yeah. Yeah, you get all these you got all these acronyms that come together. So um here here's my argument. We'll make well, I'll make a, a short logical this is a logic what I feel is a logical argument sure. at least, you know. And this isn't I, I didn't have you on to get into a big argument or anything. You know, no, you deal. and I are friends. So this is my only I, I, I would attack this like a logician to say which one is actually Bitcoin. And then mm-hmm. I would say maybe you could separate that you're, you know, big blocks could be a bit, uh, you know, a better thing uh, for money as a medium of exchange or to build a top of. So I would just say, you know, very simply that, um, you know, BTC is, is the first blockchain or, you know, what we know as BTC, what I call Bitcoin, and that it logically preceded BSV. So a, you know, a preceded B, so A, you know, is is the original. So what would you say to that argument? Do you think that is a valid argument? So my my biggest criticism of BTC um, is that it's no longer an unbroken, bro, unbroken chain of digital signatures. Uh, and the way that Bitcoin is defined, according to the white paper, and this was the understanding of it until SegWit started being discussed in like 2015 and 2016, is that... Bitcoin is the longest chain or it's the longest unbroken chain of digital signatures and SegWit actually changes that. So it becomes a hash of witness data. Uh, and it's, I know it's not mandatory. Everybody say, well, SegWit's an option. 
And that's fine. Like, I'm not saying that SegWit is inherently bad either, but it does change the definition of Bitcoin and begs us to then say, but it's still Bitcoin because it still has the most hash power and the most proof of work. And it's like, I, I just, I don't like that definition because I'm a fundamentalist. When, when we come right. to definitions, it's like, you know, we could talk about, uh, you know, transsexuals is another good example. It's like, you know what, you can call yourself a man or a woman or, or any of the 60 something non-binary things in between. But from a biological level, if you break it down to the chromosomes, if you needed to have an emergency medical procedure, right, right. you're one of those two things. And even hermaphrodites and other things, like it's about your chromosome. Like there is a fundamental there that when the chips are really down, you need to define something by what it is. And BSV, um, it, it, it sinks all the way back to the Genesis block, not on Bitcoin core nodes. But the UTXO set is valid from the very first transaction, uh, and it's an unbroken chain of digital signatures. And then BCH also broke away from that. Like, yes, BSV is technically a software fork of BCH, but BCH uh, stopped being a timestamp server uh, by the introduction of uh, CTOR, which is a, another way to organize transactions. So I'm very, very rigid with my definition of what is a Bitcoin, and the most fundamental definition is that it is an unbroken chain of digital signatures in consensus with the most honest nodes back to the Genesis block. And the okay. only chain that fits that is BSV. Okay. So that's, I mean, that's a good counter argument that the chain has been broken by SegWit is what you're saying. And that yes. since the chain was broken, it's not, it's not big. Okay. That's a fair argument. I mean, I, I'll take that, you know, I'm not going to say you're right, but I, I think that that, if you're going to argue it in co a court of law, that would be a really good counter argument. I'll give you that. So, you. um, what, uh, what are you, uh, what, what else tell us about the, I don't want to spend a lot of time arguing about maximalism. I will say one thing I had, um, Vlad Costia. I know he said I'm butchering his last name wrong. You know, I, you know, Vlad, do you know who he is? I know who he is. Yeah, yeah he, wrote, he, he wrote for Bitcoin mag Magazine. He does the uh, mm -hmm. Bitcoin Takeover podcast. Anyway, he was, on, he was guest of episode nine. I, came, I went on his podcast in the Crypto Insider of like 2018 during the bear market. And uh, him and I, you know, got to know each other a little bit. So anyways, I had him on uh, last week and we talked a little bit. And he's a maxim he, he doesn't say he's a maximalist. But by all accounts, sure. he, he put out a video and stuff of like our conversation and he made the argument that uh, side chains on on Bitcoin is um, like, uh, you know, competition to uh, the main, uh, you know, my argument, well, I should, I guess I should state my argument first is that I'm not a maximalist. Mm -hmm. So I think that by, you know, there being, I think competition is good in the space and just, you know, money is a good like anything else. So uh, with, with uh, you know, the competition, the greatest product or uh, as money, the greatest you know money product will surface. And the way I look at it is that um, you know, as a rebuke of BTC, that they have you know put out these people like um, what's the head developer, the guy that's uh, back, Adam Back, right? Sure. Adam yeah, he's he, he, he's a maximalist, right? Yeah. So he he's like the only cypherpunk that I know that maybe, you know, there could be others that are really maximalist. Um, I think that this whole toxic maximalism thing is just like the worst branding for Bitcoin in the history of the world. And him and I got into this, you know, I was trying to make this rational 
comparison about good, you know, how to, how to get the best economic money, the best product of money. And he was, he, he was trying to explain it that the side chains provide, you know, uh, an alternative that they should be like the altcoins. What do you, what do you have? Do you have an opinion of that? Yeah. I mean, side chains are a good thing. Like the, you'd want to connect a side chain to the most secure, most proof of work. And, you know, and that's great. Uh, problem is, is BTC can't be that. So I understand that somebody that is very, very pro BTC saying that that's a bad thing because it, it simply can't do it at this point. Like if you can't develop it using liquid or lightning network, it's not really an option on BTC because it can't handle the throughput. So you know, then the, the goal shifts to, well, th those are bad anyways. We just want well, BTC well, to be this thing, you know? Yeah, well, so, I don't, to make sure I stated his, his case, he was saying that those are like the competition, that they that we should be, use those as like the alts. I, I mean, I understand that argument, but the, it's impossible to do. Like, you know, the people talk about all these, like the new thing is L apps, like lightning apps. And it's like, man, that's just not going to work. Like lightning is such a convoluted mess. Like I understand that some wallets do some things, but without trusting a third party custodian, it's not really an option. And, and frankly, it's a separate network from BTC also. So if you want to try to build a side chain, like an actual BTC side chain on top of BTC, it just can't work. And, and anybody that understands how BTC works today understands that. Like the scripting languages aren't there. Uh, in fact, you need transaction malleability to do that in most cases. And SegWit is specifically a piece of software that eliminates transaction malleability. So it's just, it's a, it's a pie in the sky idea. Uh, and frankly, simple tokenization or simple building of side chains is the simplest, the easiest to deploy and would be the cheapest running on BSV. So, my my follow-up on that is that don't, don't, or uh, yeah, don't, uh, doesn't Blockstream Actually, um, those are their side chains, right? Liquid. So, yeah, <laughs> Blockstream created the first Lightning white paper. There's a couple. Uh, I think there's three, actually. Uh, Lightning uh, white paper. What about Liquid? There. Isn't that their thing, too? Li Liquid is theirs specifically. 100% yes. theirs, right? Yeah. So, so I mean, Blockstream. It might even be patented. It's like fake competition. It's like, it's like you know, you have fiat currency and, uh, you know, digital. Just say it, and it's digital or something. You know, digitizing, right. you know, all these. Yeah, so it's like. I just didn't understand that argument. I, I think it's, it's complete. I don't know. I, I just wanted to ask you. No, it's, it's silly. I, I think as far as like the tokenomics kind of thing goes, like, do we need multiple chains? Uh, I would actually argue that I am a, a Bitcoin maximalist. I, I just, I consider BSV to be Bitcoin. And the reason for it is like, we, we greatly benefit from the efficiency of having a universal source of truth. So if, if we can do all business together, not just cash business, but consider, you know, to all kinds of data business. If you, if you think of data as money, you know, it's, an, it's another twist on, you know, what is the store of value? Is it storing hash power as value? Like, well, no, data has more value than hash power. So we should think of the data as the money. And, and it makes it unnecessary for everything else. It makes everything exponentially less secure and less valuable by itself. Like it is much better if me and you can do business with somebody in North Korea or India or anywhere in South America, all on the same chain. We don't have to do conversions and side chains and liquidity pools that make those conversions and blah, blah, blah. It's just, it's way simpler to have everyone use the ledger and then. Okay. So 
My, yeah. my fault. I didn't mean to cut you off there. Go ahead. Are you, are you done? No, no, no. That, that, that's a good okay. spot to stop. Yeah. Um, the last time we spoke, though, I thought, I thought you said that you weren't a maximalist. Maybe you've, maybe you've uh, you know, this was six months ago. You and I probably had a podcast yeah. in the last six months. You, you uh, kind of like Dash. I mean, do you still like Dash at all or no? I mean, my, my opinions have changed. I don't dislike Dash. I like the competition that Dash brings. Uh, I, I think it's generally a good project, for example. Mm-hmm. But I, I also think they're too far behind from both a technical development standpoint and they've, they've got a branding issue. Like Dash, Dash is great if it was the first blockchain and everybody considered you know, Dash to be a generic blockchain word, that's fine. But I, you know, Lindy effect does matter, you know, and that's something I agree with BTC people on, but uh, is it going to work at scale? Like I've not seen anything that says that, that Dash can function even in the next year or two for a billion people or 2 billion people Mm -hmm. doing business together. I I see no evidence for that. So it's a cool project. I I feel the same way about Monero and, and, you know, even things like EOS and stuff are, are, are cool in a lot of ways, but are they going to be that thing that, that can be the single source of truth for the world? I, I, I don't see it. So you, what do you think about like them? They've had so much success in like uh, South America, Venezuela mm-hmm. and things like that. There's like a thousand merchants or something like that. Who knows yeah. the exact number, but whatever, you know, something like that. Sure. That except that except Dash. Do you think that there could be a, a future in which um, nation states sort of adopt like their, you know, they, they run with Dash. Like uh, Venezuela has Dash. Uh, you know, somewhere else has, uh, you know, uh, Beam or whatever, you know, so, you yeah. know, something like that. I think, I mean, they could, but I, I think it's a, it's futility. Like we've, we've seen a consolidation of people that use money over the last 50 years, you know, like more nations use the dollar. We, we saw Europe go from having 50 currencies to having one. Uh, same thing in the, in the Asian zone. Like there's just more and more people consolidating to the thing that makes the most sense, especially in a global economy. Like I want to be able to do business with somebody in Taiwan and I don't want to have to exchange, you know, whatever. I don't want to have to exchange Litecoin to EOS to smart cash just to do business with somebody. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense from a, a efficiency standpoint. And I, I believe that we will move toward the most efficient tool. So you, you envision a future now uh, where there will only be one, or you think that there, there will still be like 20 or 30 that exist? I, I think there'll be a couple. I, I think Monero is a really good example. Um, you know, I, like there is always going to be a market for completely anonymous right. crime money, basically. And like, you know, so, I, but I think of it sort of like pirate radio. Like there's, there's people out on boats broadcasting anarchist media uh, over FM waves, but it, it, it can't grow. Like you're very limited by the fact that you are specifically staying outside the law and outside of, out of the culture there. So you have to be limited to how much you can do, but is there a market for it? Yes. But you know, will it ever take over? I I don't think so. I don't think pirate radio will take over (laughs) world media. It's a funny analogy. All right. So let's, let's get off of that topic here. That was, that was interesting. I I like the way you put all that stuff. Let's go to a current state of affairs in the economy today. Um, You are an Austrian. I'm an Austrian. Uh, let's talk about another Austrian, Peter Schiff, who has made quite the waves on uh, Twitter in the last year, especially. I think he's using Bitcoin as a, uh, you know, lightning rod for his uh, 
for his Twitter uh, account. Yeah. What are you thinking sure. about Peter Schiff these days and uh, his anti-cryptocurrency take? I, I mean, I actually agree with him on his criticisms of BTC specifically. Yeah, let's, so, let's, let's approach it like he's talking about crypto and whole because – Peter Schiff doesn't even know how to, you know, turn his cell phone off and on. Hardly. Sure. <laughs> I, mean, I actually like, watched a, uh, I watched real quick. I watched a uh, show of his yesterday and I do like P- what Peter has to say other than yeah. crypto. And right. 35 minutes into the show, he didn't, he finally realized his headset wasn't on. So it's like, <laughs> I don't know if I want to get my tech uh, knowledge from Peter Schiff. But what do you, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's he, he's a brilliant guy. I actually agree with Peter on way more than I disagree with him on. Right. But, you know, but you got to remember too, he's got a massive incentive. He's one of the largest sellers of gold in the world, so naturally he's he's very bullish on gold. He's he's one of those uh, toxic bag holders, <laughs> you know, as far as it goes on <laughs> stuff like that. But um, you know, I, I think I think he does have a lot of valid criticisms of, of the cryptocurrency space. Like, I'm I'm pretty techie like i'm i'm good at what i do i work in cybersecurity. I, you know like I, I i understand computers and technology but at the same time like i have struggled to spin up a node that works and ah, i can't get it to sync and why do i keep getting out of sync god this wallet is freaking terrible why is it written in this language instead of that and that you know that's the kind of thing that just absolutely nobody is going to put up with like you've got the the cypher punks that think that's awesome and it is awesome. I, I like those things. But again, we're, we're, we're talking about pirate radio again, right? If I need to have a Raspberry Pi and I have to have a separate router that puts me behind a Tor wall, like mm-hmm. we're already talking about, we're eliminating 95% of everyone right. for being able to participate. So I think his criticisms are, are valid, but they're particularly skewed because he's, what, 70-something years old. He's so, not quite that old yet. Is he not? I, he's in his early 70. 60s. I think he's in oh, his really? early 60s. Uh, yeah, sorry, he's not. His hair, his hair isn't holding up so good, I guess. You know, it, yeah. it's, I don't know. I, I like Peter a lot, too. And I, like you said, I agree with probably 80% of what he says. But uh, he, he's uh, – I just I – just, I don't understand. I actually think he is a master marketer. Um, no, he, he talked is. yesterday about – He's almost at 200,000 uh, Twitter followers is the number I think he said. So it's yeah. like he knows what he's doing when, it's, when it comes to uh, For sure. you know, yeah, selling his product or his brand. Yeah. So, but I think, but I think but, the point that matters is, is if, we want, if we want Bitcoin to succeed or if we want any cryptocurrency to succeed, somebody like him should be able to use it safely and efficiently quickly. It should be as easy or better than, you know, say Venmo or, or whatever. Right. But to the so, same point, like you said, he isn't incentivized to actually understand it. All right. So, yeah. Right. Well, he doesn't need it. He's a. I'm fairly certain he's a multi-billionaire. So uh, he's definitely a millionaire many times over. I don't know if he's a billionaire yeah. or not, but he's got a lot of money. Yep. So moving to uh, what do you think right now about everything going on in the economy? I wanted to lead off of Peter Schiff there as a segue. I mean, everything the Austrians you know talk about is like coming true. We're seeing like. You know, you wouldn't even get away with writing this up in a script. It's, you know, the thing they, they predict just happens over and over again. What do you think about all of the, you know, the moves being made by the Fed? We're at 0%, nearly 0% interest rates now. They're talking yeah. about like QE to infinity. Um, right. What's, what is going to happen? They're dropping helicopter money now, maybe or I mean, maybe not. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're, we're out in uncharted, uh, uncharted waters in a big way. I, like if, if you would have told me 
four weeks ago that we were going to have $2 trillion printed inside of 10 days, uh, you know, potential for Donald Trump pushing out, uh, you know, maybe double the Andrew Yang style UBI payments, uh, talking about loan, loan or student loan interest amnesty. Like, I mean, basically he stole the platform from Bernie Sanders and Andrew Yang inside of a week. So, uh, I think it's kind of funny when I think of all the Trumpkins in my life who have been telling me that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm missing out on the, you know, the opportunity to participate in the revolution. Donald right. Trump is our, is our boy, you know, and I've, I've been cautious, you know, I, I don't hate Donald Trump either. I think there's some value there, you know, in a utilitarian standpoint also, but, but it, I mean, he's clearly not a, you know, some, some giant friend to like the, the hard libertarian <laughs> movement. Right. Like he's, he's a, a giant baseball, but he's Negan's baseball bat basically. Like, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's good. It's good when it helps and it's real bad when it's, when it's not. So I, have to, I happen to agree with you there on Trump and you know what, you know, the take people have on him. Ron Paul was our guy. He was, the, he was the libertarian yep. we deserved, but we didn't get. And, yep. No, you know, I, I agree completely. Yeah, this, the the idea that Trump is a libertarian isn't true. But I do think, I mean, people, you know, you, you, people want to make the argument that it's better to have a businessman, businessman run the economy. Maybe, yeah. maybe not. I mean, yes, overall, yes, that proves sure. that they're intelligent enough to make money and sustain, right. you know, an economy. But also at the same time, that you can't run the economy, you can't run the the government like a business. Sure. And, work, and I so. mean. It's it's interesting. Like if if we're going to like I, I'm I'm in a weird spot because you know again I'm a fundamentalist. So for me it's like well this is fundamentally immoral to take people's money through inflation. Right. You know. However, like we we have a giant interconnected system that was built on the predicate of inflation solving our problems. Mm-hmm. So th- when that's the case, it's like you know it's like you're playing a game of baseball and you you hate the rules. You know, and it's like well you, you kind of can't change the game until we finish this game. And so I, it's like, what happens if we do nothing and, and we just don't know. So like, it's, I, I wouldn't want to be the president in this situation either because it's like, you know, does he destroy the entire world economy and, and which decision destroys the entire world economy. And when you're in uncharted waters, it's, it's not a fun place to be either. So it's almost like coming in, you, know, you brought up the baseball analogy. It's almost like coming in as a relief pitcher and you're already, you're, you're actually down. You're the guy that comes in when the team right. is down. Yeah. Four or five runs already in the, in the eighth inning. And you, you know, you have very little chance to save the day. Right. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So what do you think about uh, alternatives to crypto right now? Let's talk about whether Peter Schiff has any valid claim okay. that, you know, we, us millennials, you and I are the same age should be putting our money into um, precious metals. I mean, I like precious metals. I, I don't think they're a, a bad investment per se. I mean, they've certainly underperformed Bitcoin over the last decade, but uh, it doesn't mean that there's not 5,000 years of history uh, where they have never gone to zero and they're still a functional asset in any situation. So I don't know. It's, it's complicated. I, I was actually having a discussion with a buddy uh, who works in, supply chain planning and and he's a hedge fund manager as well and he was saying like man the, we have an opportunity here to really change some lives if if people can take let's say trump starts sending out thousand or two thousand dollar checks like what should we do with those things and it's like well 
from an economic standpoint, like pay down any high interest debt. Uh, and then secondarily, like maybe even take a look at buying like some good stocks. Like I think, um, I think we're going to have an era of nationalism. Uh, people are super pissed off about globalism and the fact that our supply chains can be cut off this hard by China right. and all of that. I think people are finally starting to see like, oh shit, I wish we made our own masks in this damn country, you know, that, that kind of thing. So I think investing in, in that kind of, uh, and that kind of thing would be wise, uh, at least in the midterm or, you know, guys our age were, you know, 30 something years old. Right. You know, if we're talking about holding on to something for 30 years, it might be a good idea to buy some, some, you know, American manufacturing stock, uh, maybe get into some commodities and raw materials that can feed into that. And then other things like Amazon, like I, I think Amazon is probably going to have a big uptick on this because they're going to say like, Hey, you know what? We've been investing in drone technology and, and having, robots pick the pick the stuff out of the warehouse and stuff like we could get you stuff that hasn't been touched by human hands in in two months and <laughs> so there's no chance of contamination because a robot picked it packed it delivered it and all of that you know so like i mean that's a big opportunity there to maybe use that uh your trump bucks to buy some good stocks and yeah. and again i'm assuming you've got your own like bitcoin exposure and the rest of your portfolio and stuff is is also in a place that's balanced, but yeah, I actually forgot. I like to lead off the show now with uh, where we're at, where this is March 19th, 2020 for posterity. The Bitcoin market is actually the cold crypto markets pumping today. Popping Bitcoin was, hard, yeah. I, I think hit 6,400. It was up almost 20% or was 20%. And BSV, I'm talking BTC, BSV was up almost uh, 40% at 39% when we got on here. What was it? 140. Am I right? Or Looks like it bounced off of 160 bucks. 160, so, that's right. It was 159, I think, uh, yeah. before we got on here. So top to bottom, I, I think uh, the lowest price we got on BSV in the last two weeks was like 90 bucks. So it's yeah, see, a 200% that, move bottom to top. This is a good. This is a good segue into uh, last. You know, actually, it wasn't uh, on the podcast. You and I just go back and forth on Twitter sometimes talking. Yeah. Uh, what? What do you think uh, now? Are you, I, I still maintain we're in a bull market for the next twenty months or till twenty twenty two area? What do you are we in a, a bull market? What are your opinions? Um, I I thought we were. <laughs> right. So you know, it, it, I think it really depends on what happens in the real economy. Like I, I don't see Bitcoin as an asymmetric uh, investment uh, during the downtimes. I mean, we've only ever seen Bitcoin exist in a raging bull market. So for anybody to say like, ah, oh, if the world collapses, you want to have your Bitcoin. I, I mean, that's, it's theory. I, I mean, that's fine, but I, I, there's no evidence for it. Uh, and in fact, we have evidence to the contrary that Bitcoin underperformed a lot of things uh, on, you know, on the downside. So um, what would change your mind? Because we, I mean, we're talking about 20, 40% up today, depending on your sure. asset in the crypto market. What if we bounced and we got, you know, you know, we got back to $8,000 Bitcoin or whatever. Would that change sure. your mind here in the next, you know, few weeks or months? Um, while yeah, the, while just the stock time. market continues to slide. But yeah. If, if the stock market continues to go down and, and Bitcoin continues to climb, then yeah, I would reassess the position. But I, I don't think we're in a position to, to say that it's better than anything. And I'm actually super bearish on the halvening. Um, I, I think the halvening is a, is a really bad meme personally. So, so here's the thing. We, we only have two points of data. 
Uh, there's been two happenings. Uh, They've least, both uh, been super bullish after. You can't deny that. They have been, but yeah. I, I think it's I think it's a little bit circumstantial. And and here's why: like okay. going from, like let's assume that miners sell every bit of Bitcoin that they mine mm-hmm. every time they get the block reward. Um, it's a really small. It's it's less than a tenth of a percentage point of the total daily volume uh, of traded Bitcoin. So we're talking about an infinitesimally small difference that the halvening uh, creates in the available supply that's being liquidated. And I think the concept is like, oh, there's going to be so much less Bitcoin for miners to sell and therefore the price will pump because there's less supply, but uh, perhaps increasing demand. While I agree that increasing demand will make the price go up, I think on the supply side, I think the supply side is so painfully small that I think it's an irrelevant metric so i think if it pumps it's it's the meme it's people think that it's supposed to pump but the supply and demand balance is just it's completely irrational there's like 40 billion dollars in bitcoin traded you know on average in the last few months on a daily basis well there's not 40 billion dollars worth of bitcoin being mined it's actually just a few million it's like Mm -hmm. 14 million dollars or something like that so it's a it's a pretty small number 14 million out of 40 billion and then you cut that down to 7 million like it's it like I said, it's less than a tenth of a percent. So, but if the, they're it, it, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. No, go, go if, ahead. If, if they're, I think the mining cost is somewhere around like thirteen k, thirteen and a half thousand per Bitcoin. Uh, after the after the having or the having, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. um, it's the block reward halves the having yep. event, right? So, uh, I think the the counter argument is that the miners will hold on to uh, everyone that they can get a hold of every unit and that will drive price with the stock to flow. But it's just another argument. I think the, I think the thing that people aren't thinking about is if it costs $13,000 to mine a Bitcoin, Mm -hmm. then they're already underwater by about 50%. Right. The happening halves their revenue again. Right now, right now, right now. Correct. We're taking it. Yeah. Which is a, which is also a very uh, bullish case that we're going to see upward price movement, right? I mean, I, I disagree. You know, okay. So I also I don't like stock to flow as a it's a theory. It's it's an economic yeah. theory about what uh, you know how commodities behave uh, based on the the available supply that is in store versus the amount of supply that is just floating around in the economy. Mm-hmm. And I, I I don't like the monetary theory behind it to begin with. So when it gets applied to Bitcoin, I'm I just, I'm immediately like, mm, I, I don't accept that that's a valid theory beforehand. And then when you apply it to Bitcoin, which is an inherently less needed asset to the economy than say oil or, or whatever. Um, I just, I, I don't love it. I don't love the whole train of thought, frankly. So it's fun to, it's fun to talk about. Uh, yeah. So what, uh, where do you, uh, what else are you interested in? If you're, you know, you're talking about BSV, you're not really in anything else. Let me ask you something that I think is interesting. Have you looked into Chainlink at all? I, I know of it. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've looked into it. So I'm, I'm a fundamental analyst full time. So I, I keep up on all of the hot stuff. I know Chainlink has been probably the best investment in the last year, uh, across the, the cryptocurrency space. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've looked into it. I again, I, I think its existence is predicated on the idea of we have a thousand blockchains and they all need to communicate with each other, and these are all oracle points and blah 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 blah. And I think it's, I think it's a problem that only exists in theory, because 
I believe we should have a single chain that does everything. So Chainlink solves a problem that doesn't need to exist, in my opinion. But That's if fair. it does exist, I think it's I think it's a good project, assuming we have, you know, all these chains that need to talk. What do you think about it? See, this is something I thought it was only, you know, blockchain to blockchain originally, all interoperability mm-hmm. with blockchains. But they're tr- also trying to uh, communicate and tie together traditional databases with, with mm-hmm. the blockchains. So do you think that that, you know, raises their their uh, utility again in in theory yes but Mm -hmm. like you know i I know for example there's a there's like an a plus sap vendor that's building on bsv right now because he doesn't want to have to deal with multiple steps so like hey we're going to set up an oracle that that connects us directly to our sap system for supply chain management uh the big one is in uh drugs so it's a company called ehr it's electronic healthcare records is the company uh they they, they do most of the healthcare records in, in the West, like the entire Western hemisphere. Mm-hmm. And they're looking at BSV for the scalability because they want to be able to track every single pill to try to knock down the narcotics problem. Uh, and then another one is they, they're calling it seafood chain. It'll be a side chain project on BSV. Uh, and it's the exact same thing, but with tracking fish because Norwegian fish is more valuable, but it gets X amount more valuable if you can prove the temperature that it was caught at and that it was stored at and that all these different things and say, Hey, this is actually a completely verified system versus your questionable salmon over here. And, you know, so, so I, you I, think that you think that adding, adding uh, chain link is like the, uh, the link in between for, you know, lack of a better word uh, yeah. is, 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 you know, a point of failure basically. Yeah. I see it as an unnecessary middleman. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's smart. Like I've, I've, I've looked into it. Like it assumes we need, again, Ethereum and various other things doing all kinds of stuff, but it's not, I just don't see a reason for it. Yeah. I'm in, I'm really interested in it right now. I just started researching it like in the last couple of months. So we'll have to wait and see what happens, but I respect sure. your opinion on it. Uh, yeah. So we, I can't believe how fast that 40 minutes went. Uh, <laughs> I, I really appreciate you coming on today. I, I told my dad you were coming on the show today. My dad watched our last episode. He's like that Kurt Bucker guy. He's pretty, he's a pretty nice guy. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Yeah. So I have to have him watch this one. Uh, do you have anything else you want to add today while you're on here? Um, uh, I'm, I plan on having you on every few months if you want to come on. Cause you're fine. I'm, I'm happy to come anytime, man. Yeah. Uh, oh. yeah, you can keep me updated with what's going on. Yeah. Your your plugs, your uh, site or whatever you want to get a sure. Twitter handle. Um, yeah, you know, it, honestly, like, I mean, you can find me at CryptoTradersPro.com. Uh, you can find me at Kurt Wookert JR on Twitter and most other places. Uh, I appreciate anybody who reads. Uh, I do a little bit of freelance writing for CoinGeek Media, uh, specifically writing about like Bitcoin theory from a big blocker's perspective. Um, yeah, podcast appearances, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I think in this time this you know with everything going on this global pandemic i, I want to remind people like take care of each other like build a good community people you can trust right. uh, people that have your back even when the chips are really really down uh this is an opportunity to really change your life like i said before buy stock in the gutters pay off bad debts like put yourself in a position where you can survive in your home for 60 to 90 days without having to leave like there should be a wake-up call uh, but you know, be good to each other. Be, be generous when you have the opportunity to. That's a good message to end on. I appreciate you coming on the show today, sir. And I'll talk to you again shortly. Sounds good, man. Have Thanks for having me.